0: Hey there, welcome to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. Gail Stewart here, your producer and co-host, along with my co-host, Raul Sandelin. Hey, Raul. How are you doing, Gail? Awesome. Happy Friday. Yeah, yeah. We have a great show today, including, get this, renowned film director Darren Aronofsky. Yes, he's on the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. And screenwriter Samuel D. Hunter. Woo, man, this guy is hot. They will be talking about their new blockbuster drama, The Whale, starring Brendan Fraser. You know, it's kind of his comeback, right, on this one, at least in a different form, a very dramatic role.
1: Yeah, he's going from a heartthrob, which which he was 20 years ago, to a much more mature Brendan Fraser. Very
0: serious, very serious movie. And then we are going to shift gears, because that's the way we do things around here, and we're going to talk about Ron Perlman and Harvey Keitel. New movie, right? It's called The Baker. God, this was written by the incredibly talented screenwriters, Paolo Mancini and Thomas Michael. He's a great guy. And we got Thomas telling us about this great new action packed movie. So now, while I was tripping on the red carpet,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I in, was here doing the dishes and just mopping the floors. In
0: San Diego. Poor Raul. H- feels holding sorry down for-
1: the home fires. <laughs>
0: That's right. So you're going to keep things homegrown today on your segment? Sure.
1: Yeah, I'm going to talk about San Diego film festivals and film contests. A lot of opportunities here.
0: Oh, my God. There are so many now popping up. It's like, it's unbelievable. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, and they're popping up every day. Some of them come and go. But there's a lot of them out that have stayed around for a while also.
0: Right. San Diego Movie Awards and Terry Ross, we had her on the mm-hmm. show. She's uh, she's a stalwart in the film industry here.
1: Yeah, and I want to say something about that. Because oh, uh one thing is her movie awards are quarterly, so if you miss one opportunity Oh, you
0: can slide you know, in, right? Yeah, 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 you
1: don't have to wait a whole year.
0: And I gotta tell you, there's one thing that I learned I've learned early in my screenwriting journey, and that is you have to finish the script, obviously, but you have to start entering this. Them into competitions. Yeah
1: you need to start networking
0: absolutely and I'm, I'm going to talk
1: about that Good. there's the Good. whole the, there's the whole thing of sweat equity
0: yeah, absolutely. You know?
1: So you got to pay your dues somewhere. And these are a great place to pay your dues.
0: And San Diego, it's local, but they do get global entries. Yeah, yeah. Right? I oh, mean, yeah. you
1: face tough competition. San Diego isn't, you know, Hollywood's little sister anymore. Mm-hmm. I, am I allowed to say little sister? Step, um, stepchild. Yeah, I but was going to say my... r- red-headed stepchild, but I did You, you know, know what? I was Nothing's wrong been, with
0: redheads, okay? We love them. I was going to
1: offend somebody, right? <laughs> but anyway, San Diego is not the shadows I think that's uh, I can safely say that San Diego isn't in the shadows of Hollywood anymore and we've got a lot going on you know and people coming straight to San Diego not just dribbling down from our neighbor to the north
0: that's right so we have all of that coming up today on the San Diego screenwriter studio San Diego's only social justice network KNSJ 89.1 FM we're coming back so don't move people you're listening to the san diego screenwriter studio thank you i recently had the privilege to talk to screenwriter samuel d hunter the man who wrote the two thousand twelve play the whale which was recently adapted into a blockbuster drama directed by darren aronofsky hunter tells us his experience with this director was extraordinary for many reasons
2: you know i know very well that this is not the normal experience for a screenwriter, that, that uh, Darren could have very easily been, he could have optioned the play and wanted to hire somebody else to write it. He could have rewritten it himself. He could have had me write a draft and then sent me on my merry way until it premiered. Um, but instead, he you know did this radical act of generosity by including me in every step of the process, including production. I was on set the entire time. It's a very personal story. It's his story. Uh, he's very connected to it. There was no doubt that he was going to be the guy behind it all. And so it was, a, it was a gift to have him with me and to have um, his insight and, and his art
1: with me.
0: We're back in the San Diego screenwriter studio. Gail Stewart here. And today we are bringing you an interview with the brilliant Samuel D. Hunter, recipient of the MacArthur Genius Award. He wrote The Whale. It's about a 600 pound recluse who, after his gay lover commits suicide, he decides to eat himself to death. And it's based on Hunter's own trauma as a gay kid growing up in Idaho. Samuel D. Hunter also wrote the fabulous Hulu hit, Baskets. It's one of my favorite shows. This show starred Zach Galifianakis and the late Louis Anderson. Here's Hunter talking about his characters and his motivation.
2: You know, I I think just my writerly concerns have always been people who are on the the losing end of American life. Um, That's always just been what I've been interested in seeing because I feel like I don't see the nuance of those stories, you know, like, especially writing something like Baskets, and it's probably true of The Whale, too, that amidst the tragedy, there's a lot of humor and joy and love and empathy. Um, and that's the kind of storytelling that I love, that, like, all of those things are present, you know, all the time because that's what real life is. You know, joy and sadness are right next to one another.
0: And then losing Louis. Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, that was... I, I yeah, I, I, I kind of don't know the words. See, I, you know, I my greatest joy with that show was writing stuff for Louis and the majority of the writing I did was for Louis um, and you know a lot of conversations with him about his own mother and uh, his own life and and I mean what a beautiful soul you know I mean it's funny I was just actually talking to somebody about it both both him and Brendan, uh, Brendan are just these beautiful souls you know very different actors very different people but just like bring such a depth of humanity to what they do. uh, It's just incredible.
0: You're back in studio with the San Diego Screenwriters Studio. We have Thomas Michael, one of the screenwriters for Ron Perlman and Harvey Keitel's new movie. It's called The Baker, and it is an action-packed drama. I cannot wait for this one to hit the theaters or even my very own silver screen, okay? This is going to be Just excellent. But first, we're going to go deep on San Diego's own film festival scene. No better person to tell us about this than our own filmmaker, Raul Sandalin.
1: San Diego has lots of stuff. What yes, are we, we known do. for? We've got the surf. We've got the sun.
0: We've got the mountains. We've got the beaches. We've the got Mexico. Padres, Oh, right? I love the Padres. Yeah, yeah, we've got the Padres. We've got so much here. It's beautiful. Lot, we're blessed.
1: We've got lots of stuff. Best and, tacos. Um, Craft beer, one of the craft Fresh beer fish. capitals. Yeah. Yeah, we're also one of the most culturally diverse cities beautiful. and counties. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, the enti- in the country.
0: And we have UCSD, right? Yeah. San yeah, Diego lot,
1: State. Yeah, we've got lots USD, of USD. Colleges, right. universities.
0: Grossmont College. Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> Can't leave out Grossmont College. Should I should I put a plug in for my classes next semester? Uh, but yes, we've got a lot of stuff. We also have a long filmmaking history. But even before Hollywood really started to take off, they were making films here in San Diego. And yeah, you've talked about that long, before. Long, rich history history of filmmaking and one thing that's also developed over the years especially in recent years are film festivals and film contests mm-hmm. now San Diego's really become a mecca for all different kinds of film festivals We and,
0: have we've been gaining a lot of ground in that area
1: Yeah and and people are always surprised but if you think about it what's Comic-Con Comic cons right. a film festival. It is, you know, with yeah. a lot of other things. But you know, one of the big daddies or big mamas or big, whatever, big you film know, f- big, big film festivals, right? Yeah. is right here and has been for what fifty years. And
0: Comic Con brings in the. Big, big celebrities. Exactly. Absolutely.
1: So this has become a mecca for film festivals, and we've got a bunch of them. We've got a children's film festival, an Italian film festival, mm. black film festival, Asian, Jewish film festivals. We have a GI film festival up in Oceanside. Mm. Um, and, you know, if you think, oh, is this some kind of shoot-em-up film festival, it's more for, you know, veterans to share their story. And
0: we have the Pacific Fleet here in San yeah. Diego. Okay. So it's
1: only natural. <laughs> so we have a, a surf festival, a Woo-hoo! horror film festival.
0: We like the surf.
1: Documentary film well, festival. Well, that's your belly wick. Like, yeah, yeah. Short film festival. And then there's a number of other film festivals that are close by. For instance, uh, the Palm Springs Film Festival. Mm-hmm.
0: That's that's yeah. really big, actually. Yeah. That's it, a big it's, one.
1: It's huge. And, and
0: Borrego's is coming up. Borrego has its own film festival, and that's coming up. There's and in uh, in uh, Tijuana, they have the film festival. Oh there, yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely, just mm-hmm.
1: across the border. Yep, yep. So there is no excuse if you can't find a film festival that fits your, you know, your niche Genre. or your mm-hmm. interests. I was also told that somebody was even trying to start a Dungeons and Dragons that film be? festival. Well, you know, so, right
0: now, horror is the thing yeah, up in Hollywood. Yeah. I tell you, there was a huge deal just made with Universal.
1: So we've got something for everybody. We also have Um, Some bigger film festivals, interesting film festivals. For instance, there's the Mobile Film Festival. Uh, This is Susie Botello's Mm. baby. She's been running this for, God, 10, 15 years now. And these are films that are filmed solely using... Well, she used to call them mobile phones, oh, but smartphones. Phone. Oh, wow. Yeah, cell phones. Mm-hmm. You know, it was called the Mobile Film Festival back oh, when I you like called that. them mobile yeah, f- yeah. phones. Mobile phones. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, but I like so, that. I really like that idea. Yeah, and it's
1: restricting.
0: Well, you know. that that opens it up though. The floodgates up because everybody's got a cell phone, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, so you can, you know, eye, you eye footage, fast footage. Yeah. You know, you can use uh, uh, found footage from people's wow. cell phones. That's awesome. You know, it also restricts you because you don't have a crew and you don't have a lighting Yeah, crew. but it makes it so
0: much easier. You just you it, just do it. It, it. It's a new medium. Yes. You know, it
1: closes some doors and opens, opens others. Opens up
0: so many more, though. It, it yeah. really uh, it is a great access for people that don't have the money to do it. So that would be one that would just be, you know, easy to do.
1: But we do have going on right now San Diego Film Week. Oh. And this is put on by the San Diego Film Consortium. This is Jody Sillies. Uh, operation. She's yeah. very central in the San Diego filmmaking community. So Jody, you know, is putting on her San Diego Film Week mm-hmm. a, in November. So it's going on right now.
0: Great. Right. And uh, the Mobile Film Festival here in San Diego that is going to happen in April, twenty eighth through the thirtieth, twenty twenty three. So, so just FYI,
1: just around the corner it is. You know, because yeah. coming up in April. Remember, we're in November. We're going to have the holidays. Mm-hmm. Things kind of shut. Down for before you know December. it, it's January, February. Yeah, so you know, take note of all of this because you know, when you blink your eyes, it's going to be January and it's going to be time to enter some of mm-hmm. these things.
0: So no, they're not too expensive to enter into that. No, yeah, they're, they're
1: very re- reasonable. Yeah, reasonable. And especially if you're a student or something like that, they've got you know, special student rates. S- and
0: speaking of student rates, you need to, if you are a student uh, and you're doing a film, you should look into. Uh, scholarships and funding that is available to help you. Because believe me, it is out there. They're looking for diverse voices. They're looking for diversity. They're looking for you. So you just have to find them really is what it's about.
1: And a couple other things to mention. Those of you who really want to get into a condensed filmmaking project there are several what they call 48 hour and 72 hour filmmaking contests these are fun yeah they're fun and they're wild yeah it's
0: compressed though man
1: you form a group on friday of strangers you write you you <laughs> write the script Friday night Saturday morning. Right. Everybody else is sleeping. They wake up. You meet at the location. You shoot. Oh, that sounds uh, so then much edit, fun. And you you enter your finished film, short film. You know by Sunday night. Oh my and, God, that sounds and, like
0: so much fun. And some
1: of them are a little more generous. Uh, the seventy-two hours you have till Monday night. <laughs> And I hear the music, but I actually have a couple few things sure. to say because you can keep the music going since I wrote that song. I don't
0: <laughs> don't mind listening to it over and over again. Um, You don't get enough credit, Raul. You just do not get the credit you deserve, buddy. So so please turn up the volume (laughs) on my song.
1: Minivox. uh, Minivox, that's right. I I forgot the name of it, but I recognized it. But anyway, uh, if you're interested in one of these weekend film contests, the the big one is the 48-Hour Film Project. So yeah, lots of stuff happening here in San Diego. Good rundown, Raul. Thank you. Yeah, and you know... if you're interested in getting involved in something putting in your sweat equity paying your dues volunteering you know helping to write a script produce a film there's plenty of things for you to do around town
0: competitions and film festivals they're so much fun
1: so go local filmmaking we've got a lot of it going on here in San Diego
0: you heard it first right here on the San Diego Screenwriter Studio with Raul Sandel and Gail Stewart we will be coming back with Thomas Michael and the Baker action packed film. Stay tuned. Welcome to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio, Thomas Michael.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: So tell me, have you gotten reviews back from the premiere, the world premiere at the Austin Film Festival?
3: Not yet. I've been checking. I've been uh, <laughs> checked yesterday to see if if anybody. Uh, you know, it'll be the first review, so I'm I'm curious. You know, you end up with a with a stack full of them eventually, but uh, the right. first one's always. You, you want to know, you know, how it's received? But I, you know, we did watch the movie with a with a theater full of of, of people, and uh, you know, everybody stayed for the Q and A afterwards, and it seemed like a very very positive, enthusiastic response. So I feel I feel really good about it, and you know, most importantly, you know, I've done I've made enough movies now. You know, you get good reviews, you get bad reviews. You're always your harshest critic, and I feel really good about the movie. I, you know, it was a, it was it was nice to see it, and it was a joy to see it with a crowd, and and I'm proud of it. So that's 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 you know, everything else is, is going to be a bonus.
0: Can you kind of give me a brief synopsis of what happens in this movie, The Baker?
3: So it's about an an, an old man played by uh, uh, Ron Perlman living uh quietly in and in somewhere remote uh as a as a baker uh minding his own business uh when all of a sudden his strange son who he hasn't seen in probably about 15 20 years shows up on his doorstep with a little girl and says this is your granddaughter i've got to take care of something in the city uh, i've got a big deal cooking can you watch her for a couple of days and then disappears and says I'll, i'm coming back in you know two days tops and uh never comes back and so suddenly this this uh, you know this quiet baker and this little girl who don't know each other. They're strangers. You know, get into his bread truck and travel to the big city to try to figure out what happened to uh, his son, her father. And you know, we learn that it, that he was into some into some bad things. And as the story unravels, we realize that the baker uh, has a pretty violent past and uh, has to sort of you know dig back and rely on some of his his uh, former ways uh, of getting things done to to figure out what happened to his son.
0: So this is a great story. I love the story. I love the premise of it, of an old man ending up with uh, what she plays, 10 years old in the movie, a young girl.
3: I think she plays around eight. Oh, okay, Um, an eight-year-old. Okay.
0: Two unlikely characters are kind of thrown together to kind of make it work. So how is their relationship on film? How did you write that relationship
3: well, you know, it it really is one of you know strangers becoming family, and and that's how it is. You know, he's kind of a you know set in his ways, grumpy old guy, is used to doing things his way by himself, and she's you know precocious and 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 stubborn and and you know uh, fierce and independent and and but the wrinkle of it all is that she uh, her mother passed away in a car accident that she was uh, she was in the car. Uh, two years prior and she hasn't spoken a word since so she is uh not you know physically mute but uh just doesn't speak and so that makes it you know their relationship uh you know he cracks a joke at the beginning when he, he doesn't realize he just doesn't speak <laughs> at the beginning he just says you don't you don't he says you don't say much do you kid he goes you're gonna make some man real happy someday you know It's, uh, we've got a big (laughs) laugh from the, got a big laugh from the audience, um, which tells you a lot about him and his generation and who he is. But yeah, they, they forged this really, really beautiful relationship together. Um, you know, as soon as they get in the truck and the bread truck, you know, he's about to drive off without his, without his seatbelt on. And she fiercely insists, you know, by grabbing his seatbelt and buckling it, that he has to have a seatbelt. And then, you know, later on we learn why that's so important to her. Um, but yeah, no, they, they, they learn to take care of each other and learn to count on each other, and, and it's actually quite, quite beautiful what happens between them. And, and the work, you know, that uh, that Ron and Emma did uh, was just just beautiful to watch. Yeah.
0: So you and Paolo Mancini uh, are old buddies from like I don't know, grade school or something, kindergarten. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, we've, we've been best friends since we were 13 years old. Uh, We've been essentially writing since then. Uh, We had a, we had a cable access series when we were 15 and then a series, TV series together when we were 17 and 18 and 19. And so we, we, and we've always written movies and everything we, you know, almost everything we write, we write together and. So it's, it's, it's so much fun that he came down to the festival as well. It was great.
0: How does that work? Because I haven't had the opportunity to have a co-writer, but I would find that I'm kind of set in my ways and I'm set in my views. Uh, How does that work with kind of massaging each other's and allowing everybody to have their breath and space on the page? Well, in our,
3: in our case, it works really, really well. I mean, a lot of that I'm sure is just the, the trust and years that, that we build up together. Um, but, yeah, it's essentially, you know, it's, it's we're, we're, a, we're a two-headed monster instead <laughs> of a one-headed monster. Uh, so, we, have, you know, you have, you have the benefit of two brains and two, two perspectives and, you know, two uh, amounts of talent or creativity or whatever. So, yeah, we usually, you know, we always beat it out to beat out the story together and get pretty solid on, you know, all the beats and what it's going to be. And then we kind of divvy up the script and he'll write it some sections and I'll write some sections. And then we hand those off to each other. And uh and it's great because it's familiar and new at the same time. You know, it's it's the story we we discussed and beat out, but it's, you know, written in the hand of, of, of someone else, so there's some surprises and twists and and you know, some good, some bad, some things we agree with, some things we disagree with, and then we essentially start rewriting each other's work and elevating it.
0: Well, I want to talk about this loaf of bread in the bread truck, right? There's, I mean, <laughs> it's not only this relationship between the, this this old man, this old, actually, probably former criminal, uh, very dangerous, and this young, innocent child, but also there's this, they're missing, his son is missing, and apparently there's some drugs or very, very bad drug dealers involved in this, and so uh, how does the loaf of bread about? How does that play into that <laughs> whole thing?
3: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what basically what happens is when it, when it's clear that the, that the son isn't coming back, you know, the baker asks the little girl, what has your father done? And she runs and gets her school bag and dumps out a whole bunch of little, little tiny little baggies of, of drugs. So he basically witnessed a drug deal gone bad where everybody involved ended up killing each other and discovered this bag full of drugs that figured. that you know, hey, I can unload this, make a great amount of money and, and, you know, create a better life for myself and my daughter. But when he uh, what he didn't know is that while, you know, he went to visit the baker, his father, uh, his daughter swapped out the drugs from that from one bag to her school bag and took all, her school supplies and put them in <laughs> in the bag where he thought the drugs were. So when he left, he left with some school supplies. And so basically the baker while 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 the little girls uh, with her grandfather at the bakery, she takes a big loaf of bread, like one of those big lo- rye loaves of bread, and she kind of rips off the end of it and, and, and eats the soft, warm, fluffy bread from the inside, which I used to do as a kid. And I'm sure many people did.
0: Absolutely.
3: <laughs> uh, and, you know, her grandpa says, you you know, you're, you're eating into the profits. You know, he makes them crack. And then, but then when he sees these drugs, he knows they're going to be traveling a distance and, uh, you know, doesn't want to have them in a bag. So he takes them and he puts them inside this hollow lo- loaf of bread and then puts, like, the cap, you know, the, the end back on, and basically that's what they're traveling with uh, the entire <laughs> time. So all the people that are after them uh, don't realize that the loaf of bread they're they're carrying around is actually where all the drugs are.
0: Oh, yeah. and that man. Was, that
3: was one of the first visuals I had as a concept for this movie. I just had this idea about an old man and a little girl traveling with a a, a loaf of bread filled with drugs, he, you know, and having to kind of go from from a small village to a big city, and... And that was the original kind of visual and, and idea that, that started uh, percolating the rest of the, the story.
0: So the impetus was it started with a loaf of bread, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> so, Thomas, you know what? This has been great, but I got to tell you, I've looked everywhere for like a trailer or something on this movie. I'm telling you, they are keeping this under tight wraps. Is it going for a, a, what's the next stop on the film festival circuit? I mean, I can't get nothing on this film anything <laughs>
3: yeah there's no official trailer out yet but it, it, i'm sure it'll be coming soon um but yeah this was just you know this was our world premiere at the austin film festival and uh i'm sure there's you know there's more fests coming up and then and then the film will come out uh which you know i don't know the details of that yet but i i feel very confident about it it's, it's you know as you said it's got a great cast
0: absolutely it
3: turned out i think the movie turned great out really story. well
0: yeah great story yeah. Thomas.
3: Some people are calling it an action movie. I mean, I don't think of it as an action movie, but it, the the fight scenes, the action in it, are is amazing. We had the fight choreographers and fight team from uh, the John Wick movies, mm. and they came in and they spent a month before we were filming, uh, coordinating and and prevising, um, you know, all of the fight scenes. So the fight scenes are actually, you know, for for what is ostensibly a smaller budget film are. You know, as impressive as like you, you know, they're not as fanciful; they're very realistic. But uh, but they're as impressive and accomplished as like a John Wick or any big action movie. So people were wow. really really impressed when they saw the action. Sequences. So yeah. so
0: tell me, um, Harvey Keitel, what what part does he play?
3: So Harvey Keitel plays referred to as the the tailor. So there's the baker, there's the tailor. Um, and he basically, it's his drugs that were stolen. So he's
0: mm, sort of... The, he's the bad guy, the, uh, of course. Yes. He's the
3: big bad guy. And, uh, and, and we learn that, you know, he and the baker uh, had a past. And
0: Oh, we're, and we're, now this judge. is good. Yeah. This is really good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You I'm trying to like give answers without giving too many things away.
0: <laughs> you gave it away. You gave it away, Thomas. Okay. <laughs> That's really good. So is there anything you'd like that I haven't asked that you'd like to kind of get out there to our listeners um, on in the studio about this movie, The Baker? I know you poured your heart and soul into it as did Paolo Mancini. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Was there something you'd like to say?
3: For, for anybody listening, you know, please check out the movie. It is really, you know, it had to be all on the page, you know, that's how we got these incredible actors and and we really did work very hard and put our heart and soul into it. And we really, you know, it's every movie you write, every piece you write, you know, becomes your baby. And, and, uh, you just, you just want to see it succeed and get out there.
0: One last question to get Ron Perlman and Harvey Keitel, all those people in it. How was that when you got the phone call that these people were going to, were going to take on your story?
3: Well, it was, it was incredible. It was incredible because, you know, he is such an icon, such a great actor and so perfect for this role. You know, the, an older guy who's yeah. grumpy and tough, but you could believe when he when he does end up, you know, kicking butt, it, it doesn't feel comical. It's, it's like you're like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy for sure is a bad used to be a bad guy. And I will say one of the greatest, you know, thrills and compliments as a, that I've ever received as a writer is when I first met Ron uh, he said, uh, that this was the best script he'd ever read. And, Ooh, it, wow. it, and he mentioned that a few separate times, you know, and, 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 uh, I don't think it was just lip service. I, you know, he's being genuine and i you know, he's been around for 40 some years now and, uh, has probably read a thousand scripts, if not more. So for him, for him to give us such a high compliment was just, uh, it was incredible. It was so rewarding. And, and he was just such a, uh, a defender of the script too, you know, when when potentially because of schedule or, or, or money or this or that, you know, there were there was questions raised about, you know, maybe we can change this or maybe we can change this. He was such a defender of, of the written word and just said, this is the script and this is the script I want to make. And, and I think it's perfect as is. And let's do everything we can to, to, you know, uh, to protect it and to, and to sustain it. And, uh, and I have, I
0: have him to thank for that. Boy, what a, what a trusted friend that would be, you know, because, yeah. uh, in Hollywood, you, you give up, you, you know, you write it and then you can't basically give it away, you know, and so, uh, for to have someone be like that is just incredible. What a great story that is. So Thomas Michael, thank you for joining us on the San Diego Screenwriter Studio and I wish you the best of luck in the future.
3: Thank you, Gil. Thank you for having me.
0: That's it for us today. We're going to close the door on the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. We want to thank director Darren Aronofsky, screenwriter Samuel D. Hunter, and the fabulous writing team of Paolo Mancini and Thomas Michael. Also, thank you to KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network.
2: Oh, thank you.